The views and opinions expressed by contributors on the Spoon River Gothic podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the position of the host. Material heard on the Spoon River Gothic podcast is intended for adult listeners. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide. Carla Shores. This is Shay. What's this pertaining to? I'm calling regarding. Um, uh, um, I'm with a podcast, and we're doing research about the Donnie Bull case. And I'm reaching out to anyone who might have gone to school or known him or Donna Tompkins. And I was just hoping to know who? Donnie Bull. Uh, uh, years ago, I, I don't have anything to do with him anymore. Years ago, I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. I don't know where's that. What's going on? Sorry. Bye. Hello. Hi, Sherry. This is Jenna calling with Spoon River Gothic Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good. So, uh, as I said, the purpose was to just gather some insight. So, how long have you been living in Canton? All my life. How would you describe living in Canton at the time of the murders? It was a good, it was a good little town. Um, it was a good town. And do you do you still feel the same way about it presently? I'm not going to say because it's Okay. Yeah, that's fine. It's a small town, like like you said. Okay. Um. And you, what can you recall of that time? Uh, around the Donna and Justine era? Yes. Everything. Okay. Uh, she's a very nice person, pleasant. Uh, uh, she would bring her daughter every now and then up there when she came to work, just to become a convicted Justine up. And... Uh, she would go to work and leave. I, I never partied with them, her and Iona. Uh, 
I was dirty some, and I was married. So they, you know, <laughs> they did their thing, and I just scheduled and all that stuff. Were you a manager at the Elks? I was a bar manager. Bar manager, I see. Was that was that like a full time job for you at the time? Uh, no, I worked. Uh, I was. I did a lot of volunteering up there. Uh, I worked from say ten o'clock until two, four or five days a week. I filled in. You know, like a manager has to do if someone's sick or you know. I see. And um, I never ran around with Dan. Uh, I never knew who Bull was until I went to court. Donna never really talked to me about her private life. I understand. Um, does what happened have any effect on you now? Not now. Sometimes I go by the house. Uh, I kind of glance over there, knowing what happened. I, I had the day, the, day, the morning of the day it happened. So I think it was on a Wednesday, and that was my day off. And the coworker called me home and told me about all this. What? You know, I'm in shock, total shock. You know, it's been so long ago. Right. We all experience uh, grief in different ways. It hits us in different times. Hi, Karen. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm tired. I had dialysis today, and then it's kind of a blah day. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Did you have a good weekend at least? I did, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. So, uh, the purpose for, for us calling is we're just wanting a better understanding of life in Canton back then versus life now. Actually, I moved out in 1977. Moved out in 1977. 1977. Got it. Okay. So where are you, where are you originally from? Canton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, um, as best as you can remember, what was what was growing up in Canton like? Um, in my teenage years. There was a lot of drugs, of course. There's a lot, a lot of drugs again. So I'm, I have to confess, um, I was one of those people that ran with the crowd. No judgment, no judgment at all. Okay. So there was just, you know, basically, I mean, they did have a big drug bust and a lot of them went to prison, and I got married at the end of 76, and, and you know, we left, and so after that, I just don't really know what went on. I see. What, um, what sort of drugs were the issue at the time that you were living there? Oh, there was, like, um, pot and acid and... Um, oh, let me think about what I'm trying to, um, coke, of course. Mm-hmm. There, 
was acid and I mean a lot of people did a lot of acid and they did a lot of coke and they did you know they smoked pot I didn't really care for pot <laughs> but um they just had they did I don't remember anybody doing that at all so I'm sure it was around but I don't remember anybody ever doing it like today in Canton there's a lot of people that are doing that it's sad you wouldn't be the first person to tell me this yeah yeah it's just really sad you know because it's dangerous I mean kind of like this is the stuff here the drugs in the 70s were much cleaner than the drugs you get today you know, they they were actually more pure because today, whatever drugs they're doing today, it's probably mixed with everything. Um, so, what what it, what drugs did you do back then? Well, I did coke and I did acid and and I can't even think of this one that I'm trying to tell you because I forgot. It was um, my favorite drug was acid. Believe it or not, I'm sorry, but it was. Don't be sorry. Don't apologize. <laughs> yeah, you did. You sure did, Karen. <laughs> my, my poor mom, though, I I put her through the ringer. So, you know, but, and I mean, you know, and the only thing I know about um, Donna is what I've been told. And what have you been told? I have been told that she was like had like uh, four or five boyfriends at the same time. Wow! And I was told that one of her boyfriends almost committed suicide, and um, and his brother stopped him, and they, I guess he was questioned that. I don't really believe he would have done it anyway, really. Um, but the other, uh, I heard a, a police officer was involved with her. Oh. And that's, that's just what I've been told. I see. Mm-hmm. And then I heard that that they really didn't really know if Donnie done it or not, but he was charged. So, and I don't really know any of them, but I mean, I knew one of her boyfriends just from school, but. Who, who did you know from school? Um, Terry Haynes. I see. Does that, does that name ring a bell? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, my niece was the one that said that he was going to commit suicide and he had his car I guess like he had put like a gas um, hose in his car and his brother got it out before he died no I think I I heard that I can't recall if it's something I had read from a police report or if someone had told me yeah Okay, so and Terry. I, I don't think he, honestly, I just, I can't see him doing something like that. But I guess he was obsessed with her. 
Yes, I've I've heard that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I just this is just stuff like I said since I had lived away from here. I just didn't really know very much about it, except for I guess her friend Iona. I guess they they ran around together a lot. You probably heard that too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you hear about it when it happened, or was, did you hear about it after the murders happened? I I believe it was after the murders happened. Things I, you know, didn't live around here then. What year was that? 1993. Oh, 93? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I don't think, you know, Mom really mentioned it too much. I think it was years later that I heard about it, but I I just remember people talking about it. I see. And from your observations of people speaking with you about it, um, how do you how do you feel it affected them? Um, I think a lot of people were upset about something like that happening in Canton. You know. And especially, it was a three-year-old little girl. And that's, that's very, very, you know, very sad. You know? I mean, it was sad that Donna was murdered, but then her little girl. Right. So, but I mean, is it true that Donnie might have not done it? I don't think anyone can say for certain. Yeah. I mean, it's just, since since I was told she was involved with so many guys, oh, I, I was told also that her ex-husband was abusive. I, I recall so, hearing about that as well. Right. So I'm thinking, well, maybe he did it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's just a sad story that, you know, it shouldn't have really ever happened, but then things, a lot of things happen that shouldn't happen. You know, Kent was kind of a little wild town and it seems like it just can't, doesn't disappear. You know, you're the first person to tell, tell me that Canton was a wild little town, whereas most people I've interviewed, they always tell me, oh, it's a small, quiet little town. Well, there was a lot of parties. Back in the 70s, and you know, so I mean, unless people close their eyes to it. Do you feel people people like to close their eyes to things over there? Well, I know this. So I went to school with the Craig Graham. Have you heard about that story? Well, he was at a party. Now, I heard this because I didn't look through then either, but I came home for weekends and I knew that he had died. And, well, I heard, I knew that he was missing. And he was at a party at the lake. And he left early because he said he told his friends he was tired. And so then his friends were leaving and they found him outside of his truck and he was saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, and they said, well, just get in the car, we'll take you home, and they said that he said, no, I'll get home, which I just think that's strange, but anyway, 
so then his dad the next day found his truck down the country road where they lived, and it was still running with the door open. Oh, wow. So they had checked the strip mines and stuff like that, and they didn't find anybody. They didn't find him, but then a month later, they did the strip mine again, and they found him. Oh, wow. Right, and a lot of lot of um, kids weren't questioned because they were the doctor's kids. So oh. that's the best. Hush, hush. I'm not saying that somebody killed him on purpose, but I believe that something happened that might have been an accident or something, and it was kept quiet. I see. So, I mean, there's... <laughs> Those things that happened in Canton, like the little May girl. You heard about the little May girl? 1956, she was murdered. She was eight or nine in Canton. A taxi driver went to prison for like 11 years, and then they found out he didn't do it. But they never did find out who done it. I don't, I don't think they really knew. Who done it? I mean, I don't think they had any proof of anybody. I know she was raped and beaten. And, um, so I mean, you know, Canton is an okay town, but there's things that's happened here mm-hmm. that, that's never been solved. Another girl, six, she was 17 and eight months pregnant. <gasps> she was hitchhiking to London Mills. She got to London Mills, and 30-some years later, they found her fall in in the woods at London Mills. Wow. So, are people closing their eyes to stuff like this? I'm under the impression. Well, I mean, how can they close their eyes to something that's been, you know, so devastating to families? Right. You know, I mean, it's like... Things happen in a lot of towns, but it, I know a lot of things have happened in Canton. Can you tell me about yourself at that time? I was a wild child. I mean, I was. I went to parties. I didn't come home at night. I drank a lot. Um, I mean, I was 17, but I mean, you know, I ran with a group of people that sold drugs and, you know, I mean, I didn't sell drugs, mm-hmm. I've just done them, but I was at the bar every night and, and I, you know, I think back now that I'm a mom, I don't know why my mom didn't kick me out, but she didn't, so, but I was, yeah, I was um, kind of a wild child and just didn't really care about anything but partying. What I done when I was a teenager and stuff, and, and honestly, I often wonder how I even survived. Kidnapped twice by my ex-boyfriend, <gasps> drove us the lake um, by accident, I think. But I'm just saying, you know, um, a lot of it was my fault. You know what I mean? I, it was my choice to do the mm-hmm. things I done. 
no one made me do them. So, I mean, it's, it's who you hang out with, honestly. It's like if you get out of the crowd, you can be okay. But if you go back into the crowd, it's going to start all over again. Um, and as far as the case goes, none of the people involved were part of the crowd that you were running around in. No, I only the Terry Haynes. So, I mean, I think I didn't know the others at all. I see. None of them. Yeah. Except for Iona, her friend. I, I worked with her at the hospital, so. Help? Yeah, I mean, I guess I told him about Canton. Yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> uh, There's probably more stories out there. I just can't think of them. Right. If I have any follow-up questions for you, is it all right if I contact you? Oh. Hi, Philip. This is Jinra. <laughs> trying to call you back and everything. I guess we're crossing our wires back up. Yeah, seems like it. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. So I'm a I'm a producer with the podcast, and at the moment we're wanting to just gather some information from the people that live in Canton, Illinois, and just get kind of an idea of what the people are like. Um, to supplement the podcast. So I was just hoping to just just briefly talk to you about what you remember. Um, and yeah, is that okay with you? Is, is, is now okay? Well, yeah, I might be able to save you some time though. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't live in Canton and I haven't for, oh, many, many years, about 40 years. When you lived there, what do you remember what do you remember Canton being like? Oh, it's, it's just a little, uh, kind of an idyllic little uh, country town, you know, a farm town. Uh, everybody knew everybody. And it's a good place to grow up. Would you say your experience there was positive? Yes. And what brought you out of Canton, Illinois? Yeah, with the economic conditions at the time uh, and uh, other reasons, I joined the service. So, how did you come to know about the case? Well, it's, I'm a member of that Facebook group about uh, people growing up in Canton, what they remember. Uh, and the story popped up, and so I started reading it. and. Uh, you know, I, I knew some of the people that were involved, so it made it a little more interesting to read, you know. Oh. Uh, would, uh, do you mind telling me who you knew? <laughs> uh, well, I knew a number of them. I knew uh, Donnie Ball. Oh, you knew him? I knew, uh, uh, his, one of his brothers was in class with me in, in all my uh, classes since, like, third grade, second grade. Were y'all close? Oh, you know, we, we were all buddies, but uh, not not with Donnie. He was in a different age group from me, and, you know, we only hung out with people that were, you know, plus or minus three or four years anyway. Seems like he was just a few more years younger than that, maybe. And what are your recollections of him? 
when you knew when you were living over there? Bonnie loved all the <laughs> all the kids of that group were wild childs and, and uh, those bull boys. They were uh, they were a handful. They they um, they worked their asses off with their dad all the time, and so they you know they worked hard and they liked to play hard too. What was their dad doing? He was a wasn't he a tree? The tree work, tree removal, that kind of thing. I see. Um, and overall, um, when when this case was happening, were you were you paying attention to this in the early nineties? No, I no, no, I didn't know really anything about it. I think I'd heard something about it, maybe in the interim from some people in Canton, but uh, I never really knew any of the gist of it until I started reading it on the internet then. I see. Um, are you, do you feel justice was served here? Well, I haven't read enough of it yet to, <laughs> to be certain. Okay. To make that decision. Yeah. Thank you so much, Philip. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. I was hoping to reach Miss Catherine Tabor. This is she. Hi, Catherine. Um, my name is Jinra, and I am working on a research report for um, a victim justice report about Donna Tompkins. Hmm. And I was hoping to know if, and this report is going to be used for an upcoming podcast. Um, that's the, the the intent of which is to um, tell it as accurately as possible and to humanize everyone involved. Yeah, I get the interest there, but it would all be public. It would be publicly in the papers and so forth, so your research could be very easily done with that. It was in 1993, and you can refer to the Daily Ledger about that rather than I, I don't know that I, I know too many people personally to say a whole lot about the case just to someone I don't know I understand okay yeah the, the Canton Daily Ledger would have a lot a lot about the case and so forth I was a co-worker with her but um, yeah I just don't feel comfortable <laughs> you know I you know, podcasts are fun and, and interesting, but when, and when it's when you knew and you know family and so forth, it, it makes it kind of hard. I understand. Um, you have a nice evening, and um, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Spoon River Gothic is a production of Lone Bird Media in association with CZ Studio. The show is produced by August Olson, editing, directing, and producing by Corey Zimmerman. Audio mastering and engineering by E. Mastered. Research is done by Anne-Marie Cannon, Chelsea Mesa, and me, Jinra Illustrisimo. 
Spoon River Gothic is written and hosted by Corey Zimmerman. You can follow the show at czstudio.works and read the blog at spoonrivergothic.com. Show some love by leaving us a rating or review on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode as we dive deeper into the Donald Bull case. Thank you for listening. This is Spoon River Gothic, narrative of a double homicide.